in this episode. I don't know if you've seen it. There's a new movie out right now based on a book called uh, um, Thinking of Ending Things. And the dialogue in that movie is just incredible, man. It's one of those movies where you either think it's the greatest thing or you think it's the worst movie and waste of your time that you've ever seen. So I like the uh, Florida project. Ooh. <laughs> like Ladies the and gentlemen, this is the, last, uh, this is the last Paleo Chiefs podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome, you're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, episode 19, part one, nerding out and the great gaming debate. Hello, dear listener. I'm Chad Lutsky. And I'm Jeremiah Bannister. And you're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast. We're part of the Project Entertainment Network. Yeah. We're the podcast where a seasoned horror veteran holds the white-knuckled hand of a horror newbie. That's Jeremiah. As they explore yeah. the genre together film by film and today is another shoot from the hip episode which i is, like these dude yeah yeah they're fun they're fun man and you know we we're we're doing the whole movie thing we're doing we've done a whole bunch of really great movie reviews we've got a bunch of really great ones coming up in fact we just landed yet another guest another really cool one uh yeah. and so we've got to pick Pick from a handful of movies, man, that are, mm -hmm. you know, they, they always kind of toss us, you know, three or four. I think this time it was, what, five, six? Yeah, the three and then a couple of bonus ones just for the heck of it. Yeah, but it broke my heart that he said Jaws. He needs to realize, man, I did a Jaws reaction video. He needs to watch that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd watch Jaws. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't watch Jaws again, but I would watch Jaws 2. Yeah, so if anyone wants to see... The one solo reaction video that Jeremiah oh, has put up. <laughs> it's the only one available. Um, not sure why, but uh, oh, you can go watch that on our channel. Well, there's a there's a good reason why. Okay, we've in fact we've got I think there's like four or five different uh, reaction videos that have been recorded, but we decided to do something a little bit different, and that was that in the Jaws reaction video, it was pictures. And now we want to do it to where it's actually got video clips from the film. The problem is I don't own any of them and I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so if you're out there and you know how to do that, or you just know how to use Google and you're not lazy like me and you say, look, here's the link, buddy, just read it. Uh, I'll read it. And so you can do that. You can email us at paleo at gmail.com. But that's why, because I edited, dude, I edited uh, evil dead and I edited it follows. And I started uh, the host. So there's there's some work to put into it. We're going to have them. We're going to have them. All right, man. So, and then uh, we'll reach a million. We'll reach a million subscribers as soon as oh, it's Oh, goodness. Yeah. Immediately. Wow. <laughs> we get to quit our jobs. Yeah. What are you going to do with all that money, Chad? Oh, man. I don't know. I'll probably buy uh, an entire um, two liter. <laughs> 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 a whole one yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you've been you, have you been buying the one liters this whole time but aren't one liters actually more expensive than two liters uh probably i think they are hey what's up with that by the way 
Like, well, I don't, I don't understand that. They're like, oh yeah, for one liter of Mountain Dew, it's this price. For two liters, it's like half the price. And you're thinking, wait, something's weird great. about this. It's just the the way the cookie crumbles, man. It's yeah, we are screwed up. World works, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> big corporations. Dude, you know that like the conversation that happens around the table for these marketers, somebody, somebody's like us. You just know somebody works there that's like, guys, I don't understand this. It's two times the amount and the bottles two times the size, but it's half the price. Like what, what's up with that? And you just know that the leaders of the corporation, these real evil schemester guys in black suits and stuff, they're like, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Weird world, man. <laughs> like that's the end of it. And he's like, I guess I'm, you know, I know though, Chad, what I would buy. I've been thinking about it, man. I've been thinking about what I'm going to do with all that money when we're rolling in it. Um, and you, actually you have to go. I sent a, a secret message to your Facebook and you got to look at this thing. Cause you can't, you, okay. and we'll have to share it. You know, you'll have to describe it once you see it, dude. It is by far maybe the single greatest shirt that's ever been made ever on accident <laughs> okay so shall i look at it right now yeah yes dude you gotta look at it and i guess i already said it was a shirt but you i know you love shirts you're a big shirt guy and this one right here dude. okay dude. it's funny that you should uh <laughs> yeah my friend posted this the other day it's a picture oh. of, a picture of kiss in full makeup but oh, yeah. it says led zeppelin <laughs> and uh i told my buddy uh terry I, Terry M. West, I, we wrote a novelette together. He posted it. I said, I'd wear the crap out of that shirt if yeah. Ace Freely and Peter Chris were on it because I, maybe you can't tell, Jeremiah, but those two guys are scabs and they've been in uh, playing scabs under that makeup <laughs> for the past, I don't know, 15 years. Oh, I, I know you don't follow music too closely, but yeah, these two guys are. Uh, the, they're wearing Ace Freely and Peter Chris's makeup, and they play the shows. No offense to them; they're good musicians, but it's not Ace and Peter. And if it was, I'd 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 wear that. I'd wear that shirt. See, I think I would wear that shirt, knowing what I know now, maybe even more, just because that's like an extra layer of oopsie doopsie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, they're that's like, true. oh yeah, this is Led Zeppelin. You're like, no, not only is it not Led Zeppelin, but it's not really Kiss. Not really Kiss, yeah. <laughs> no. It's fake. It reminds me of yeah. uh, Armand's shirt that he has that has the Hanson brothers on it, and it says Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. I've seen <laughs> I've seen a, another one where that has a, uh, um, uh, like the Star Wars poster on it, and it says uh, Star Trek underneath it. It's, pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate mind. Yeah, story. you know that there's people actually really upset about that. Like if they see that. They'll just walk Probably. up to a rando stranger and be like, sir, you do know that that is incorrect. You're going to have to leave. You are trolling us and we don't. Yeah. They'll know how to complain and cling on too, Right. Uh, and they'll, they'll be complaining and cling on and being like, no, this is totally incorrect. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dude. So tell me, dude, what have you been doing since, uh, for the, for the past week? Any, anything cool? Anything exciting? Uh, well, I've been doing a lot of recording and that's been cool, right? And I've been reading, dude, and I've, I've been just getting out a little bit, like kind of changing my life up a little, you know, to where I'm starting to work more during the morning when the kids are at school, because it does suck, man, when you're doing stuff at night, 
you know, we record this at night and it's on Friday. So, I mean, our Friday nights, you know, there's a chunk of a chunk of time that, you know, I wouldn't be able to go with the kids. If we're like, oh, let's go to go see a movie on Friday night. We'd have to reserve that for Saturday or something on Sunday. Um, And so it's been a little bit difficult. And now that I'm doing other things and, you know, uh, elsewhere, I'm finding myself recording at night again. And it's kind of been a bummer. And so I made some big changes to where I'm, I'm going to be doing that during the morning. And it's been really great, man. And not just for that, but because it's it's kind of creating a space and a time for me to really focus more of my energies on writing. Because I love writing and I used to write all the time, every day. Did I stay up like till one in the morning, you know, sitting there drinking uh, camel black ice malt liquor, <laughs> double fist in big cans, smoking some cloves, writing poetry every single night. That's what I did. And I'd write articles every day. And I wrote monologues and speeches and I did all that. And I just got away from it. Just got away, dude. I just started talking into microphones and never kind of got back to that first love of writing. And so I've been I've been doing that more and more. And part of that, man, a big part of that's you, dude. Not just because you're a writer and you're like the man, but also because you got me to read a book and I read it. Stephen King on writing, dude. Heck yeah, man. Well, okay. In fairness, I didn't read the entire thing. I did not really care so much to read the biography the, part. The biography part. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, look, I t- truth be told, I've never read any of his books. None. I think I've only seen a couple of his movies. And from what I've heard from, you know, hardcore fans, they're not even the really good ones. A Green Mile, I think I saw part of it. I saw the part that made me cry. <laughs> so maybe there's more than one. Shawshank Redemption, right? So seen Shawshank. I, in fact, I really like that movie a lot. And what's the one, man? Night Stalkers or some crap. What is that, man? Or the, the, the mom and the son are in this incestuous kitty cat relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sleepwalkers? Sleepwalkers. What did I call that, man? Night Night Stalker? Night Stalkers? <laughs> <laughs> night stalker I, I think it's called sleepwalkers i, I could be wrong yeah, yeah that's not it a might, very well it might movie it might be it might be night stalkers it's at least possible right is range of possibility it's, it's night stalkers uh i don't think so google it <laughs> oh no Oh, I mean, dude, I, I'm about 99% sure, dude, it is not Night Stalkers. I mean, no, it's, there's, it's I wonder if there is a movie. Is there a movie? You, now that you're on Google, dude, just look it up. Is there a movie Night Stalkers? I mean, it's got to oh, be. It's got to be. Sure it's got to just, yeah, probably somewhere out there. Probably yeah. sucks, but, you know, it's out there. But So I haven't seen too many, but on writing was a great book, dude. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a very good book. And anyone who wants to, and I, I try to encourage non-horror writers, because now that you've read it, um, you can clearly see this is not something that, like, don't, don't get it wrong, man. This is, if you absolutely hate writing horror, this book is, or, or I'm sorry, reading horror or anything to do with it, this book is still absolutely for you. You know, it's funny because it wasn't until just now that I really conscientiously thought about the idea that he's a horror writer <laughs> when I was reading the book, because it, it doesn't, I mean, he obviously brings that up. He brings up books he's written. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's really just talking about um, 
what it means to be a writer, what it, what works for him, the way he conceptualizes things, the way that he sets it, sets it into uh, situations. He asks a question, you know, and then from that question or a series of them arises a situation that plays itself out. And that he, I liked how he talked about the paralyzing effect of plotting something out and, you know, writing up this long backstory of everything and, and the symbolism. Cause I get caught up in that. I, I love it, that stuff, dude, mm-hmm. but it, it just wrecks me, man. And so to, to be able to read that and to hear what he's talking about, about kind of just getting to the point, you know, and if there is symbolism, in fact, you should wait. What did he say? Six months. He said, put that bugger away or four, yeah. I think four, four months, six months, put it away mm-hmm. and then take it back out. So you're like r- distant from it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And when you take it back out, if you see certain themes, then when you're doing your second draft, you're polishing that thing up, draw on those themes. Mm-hmm. But until then, you know, and he, tr- he says, treat it like he treats it like an artifact. He says, stories are something discovered. And I liked that. I liked that mm-hmm. idea more than it's an invention where you're inventing something. It's more like, you know, you're, you're digging this up. Mm -hmm. It's already there. Yeah. And I, I loved that. I loved so much about the book. It was very, I don't even really know. I love, I love the part even where he's talking about, you know, the the disciplines necessary. And he uses somebody's name. I I think it was Frank, this guy named Frank, not his real name. Uh, Everything, you know, is kind of fictionalized to protect the innocent. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he was talking about the, the things that he did and the diligence he had about, having a list of where he sent, you know, different articles to or stories to their reactions to it, things like that. So that you could get a feel after a while. Number one, should I send it back here? Are they interested? Do they want something different and laying that thing out and, and having it so that even when he got really bad news where they were going to publish something, it was a really big deal, but then the magazine or whatever went under. Mm-hmm. And they apologized. They said, well, you know, we're really sorry about this. I think the owner died or something and they weren't going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so he had to, he had to roll with that, but he already had that toolbox. Mm-hmm. And so that, that writer's toolbox kind of thing. Um, and so there was so much in that. And then in the very end, I really liked how he, number one, he talked about uh, the accident, right? All the pain, uh, all the difficulties and things that he went through and the role of his wife, um, not only with his writing, but just in his life and stuff and how writing helped him through this um, and gave him joy, right? Mm-hmm. Made him happy, right? Come on, let's be happy kind of thing. And at the end, he he provided in a first draft with the markings for second draft on it and then a, 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 was a key that explained mm-hmm. what each one of those were for. And I read it and I I could see so many things in my own writing that I said, okay, this may work really good when I'm writing for, you know, a personal kind of short story, but it's, it's like faction, right? It's real, but it's kind of gonzo. And I'm, I'm writing about it from first person. But if I'm trying to do a story like I'm trying to do right now, both with the story about my daughter and of, of my own, that, um, these things about that I can get rid of that. I don't need to worry about. I don't need to tell people things that can allow them, the reader to fill in the blanks and, and not feel as though I have to like, what's the point of that? Why, why include that? And there were things in there that I could imagine in his first draft, I could imagine writing because I have written things like that. Right. I have. And I thought this is great. Okay. Number one, I know I can get it out. Number two, I know that a wildly successful author has the same 
thing that he goes through. Yeah. 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 It's encouraging. And it, you know, the, the advice about um, basically putting your manuscript in a drawer for, you know, months at a time. Uh, it's a really, really smart idea, but it's also very difficult to do. Um, especially it's, I, I wouldn't imagine it being very difficult for him because he, um, I mean, he's got it made. It's not like he's like with my writing, because it's all I'm doing right now for a living. I'm kind of racing against time. You have to stay relevant. You have to put stuff out, you know? Um, and so I don't really have the time to, to sit around and, and put a, write a book and then just do nothing with it for three months and then begin my other one. But it, it's just one of those things where it's like, I know that this is the right way that I should do it. And I, and the reason why I'm, I know that is because there have, there's been stuff that I've published in particular, in my first short story collection, where if you've only been writing for a short amount of time and by short amount of time, I mean, two or three years, um, you may have not even found your voice yet. And when you pull that manuscript out, after you've been writing other stuff and reading books, which is super important, you're going to look at that and go, oh man, thank God I did not like get this published because there's so much that I could be doing that's better than this. And um, I don't know when that finally stops happening. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I don't really like reading my stuff after it's been published because I know I will find, it's, it's yeah. like an artist looking at their painting. It's like, yeah. you know, it's never truly finished it's just they stop you know because there's there's just always something that that they're going to want to tweak or do something different and that's the same way with uh, a story or, or a novel or whatever and um yeah it's advice that that uh give but i don't <laughs> i don't practice you don't it. do it you don't practice no, what you no, preach no. man i was just gonna say i mean i have before but not because it was like you know i'm gonna sit on this kind of thing you know, it's just because, um, you know, I've, I've got stuff where I'm several thousand words into a book and then I haven't, I, I, I got other stuff going on for months and then I got to go back to that thing. And then, and then I, all of a sudden they change all the stuff that I'd have already, you know, written or a short story that maybe I haven't found a home for yet or, or something. And then I go to send it out and it's been a couple months and I reread it and do it. But, but yeah, not anything where it's like, I'm ready. This thing's ready to be sent out somewhere to be published or whatever, uh, or, or published myself. I'm going to, but I'm going to wait for three months. Yeah. I don't, I don't usually do that on purpose. You know, another thing that he's saying is really good. I mean, he had the, what, what, uh, first draft hundred percent, you just get it out as fast as you can. Right. Kind of thing. You just, you know, get it out, man. Um, mm -hmm. and then later fine tune. He says what a hundred percent. And then the second one is 10% uh, less. Uh, is his mm -hmm. idea of it, um, you know, but I, I benefited too in a weird way from reading, reading the selections of otherwise successful authors that he used as examples of what he thinks is wrong. Because I thought, you know, take Lovecraft, for example, he was he used Lovecraft when talking about dialogue. And it, was, it, it sounded like it was inner dialogue. It was a lot of these kind of you know, uh, spurts of words and then dot, dot, dot. And then another kind of random thought, you know, oh my gosh, there's a monster, dot, dot, dot. The danger in the darkness, dot, dot, dot. And it kind of was this long rambly thing and it didn't sound at all realistic, but I thought, here's a guy wildly <laughs> successful 
you know, so I mean, e- even even though a lot of people and kind of the the majority of writers now don't do that sort of thing, that there's still not only a place for it, but that you may not be the best at a specific part of writing. You may not even be the great, you know, very good at it. But people may read that and still identify a great deal with the story as a whole. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, you know, it was comforting a little bit because <laughs> I'm like, I, I've never written a whole bunch of dialogue. Almost all the stuff I've ever written was poetry, uh, speculative fiction, right? The kind of prose and speculative fiction. And I've written things that most of it first person, right? Now, I don't know. I don't know if I've hardly ever written until recently anything that's not first person and it's, it's made it easy or, you know, or that it's uh, strict journalism, right. Or, Mm -hmm. or op-eds and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just so much different. And so to get used to the idea of, of writing dialogue, I realize number one, it takes practice, right? It's what he says, takes practice. Mm -hmm. Part of that practice is not just sitting down and typing all the time, which you should be doing, but, but also reading, which yeah. that's been a big deal for me because, you know, I read a lot of articles, but I, you know, I kind of go in spurts when it comes to reading poetry or reading a fiction book or whatever. Um, but reading more and, and turning everything off, opening up a book and doing my thing. Also listening. Yeah. yeah. Listening more and, and paying attention to those little things rather than waiting for your turn to talk because see, I, I have a problem with that. I mean, that's, you know, it, right. <laughs> you go as the show with me, you know, this, you've known me a long time. So, you, you know, that's something dude, that it's just all my life. I've kind of struggled with this idea that, you know, it's not quite Charlie Brown, you know, the wow, wow, wow. Like, it's not like that. I'm not oblivious to what people are saying, but a lot of times I'm missing. It's, it's almost like I'm disembodying their voice from everything that's them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just taking in the words strictly, almost like it's on paper and then analyzing real fast so that I would know what to say next yeah. instead of trying to pick up little things that they do. Like mm-hmm. my son puts his knees under his shirt when he mm-hmm. talks, you know, he kind of scrunches up and he's got his knees up against his chest and he puts his shirt, which is a terrible habit, but it's going to ruin mm-hmm. these t-shirts, right? It's like, don't do that, bro. But, but I noticed that, right? Teresa, when she was little, would suck her thumb and and put her other finger in her nose. Now I did notice that, right? <laughs> that was a problem. But but the thing is, is recognizing the little nuances in the way that people talk and the things that they do as they're about to talk or when they're finished talking, and being able to blend that in with the dialogue, right? And I just I it was something that since reading it, I've been trying really hard. To, uh, to be honest, when I'm not doing this, to be quiet more. Yeah. Yeah. I consider myself to be uh, fairly good at writing dialogue. But I, my friend has a podcast, uh, several podcasts. Um, his name is Jay Thorne. He's a writer and a uh, uh, really cool dude. Anyway, in his podcast, he was talking about knowing how to do something versus being able to teach it. And it wasn't until I heard him talking about that, that I realized that there are several things that I know how to do, but I'm, I'm not a good teacher. I can't, I can't teach you how to do something. I just know when something is right. So if I'm writing a song on the guitar and I know that these chords go together and they make like a kind of a bright and cheery song, I can't tell you why. I just 
this is the kind of song I want to be writing and I know which kind of chords or sound that I want to make that happen. And if I want something a little bit darker and dreary, I, I, I can't be like, well, if you want that, you need to be using minor chords and you need to, I, I don't know how to do that kind of stuff. I just, I'm sorry, I don't know how to teach that kind of stuff. And the same goes with, with writing particularly, because I don't know the, I don't know all of the uh, like terms for things. You know, if I see a sentence and it's not working, I can't, I can't say like, uh, well, this it's because this is written in passive voice and you're using this thing here uh, and you, you can't do that at the end of a sentence. I don't know that. I just know that it doesn't work, but I, I, and I can't teach you why. It's, it's, very, uh, it's very weird. And I used to kind of get down on myself until I heard that on Jay's podcast where he's talking about some people just, they just know how to do it. Um, and some people uh, are teachers. And maybe they don't even know how to do it. Um, <laughs> here's I've used this analogy before uh, on uh, being on interviews and stuff on other podcasts. Um, in but maybe not within this context. You take someone like I don't know if you know who Ingbe J Melmstein. He's arguably one of the most uh, technically advanced guitar players, guitar virtuoso. Yeah. Uh, um, very, very classically trained. Very, yeah. very good. Uh, he he can't write a song to save his life, as far as something that's that has a hook or that is pleasurable to listen to uh, or memorable. Um, he's got several albums out, but when you listen to him, it's just it's all flash. And then you've got someone like Kurt Cobain, who isn't that great, wasn't that great of a guitar player. Um, and he, I mean, he didn't suck, but he's a great. Uh, songwriter incredible he was an uh, incredible songwriter same with glenn danzig who barely plays guitar you know he wrote all of the misfit stuff and all the solo dancing stuff on guitar he wrote all, all all of that all of that stuff but um it's the songwriting mm -hmm. and so you've got your ingbays who can teach you how to play guitar and say well if you want this do this and do this and it's all very like robotic and soulless and then you've got somebody else uh, like Cobain or Danzig who can write very, very catchy songs that, that everybody loves, but they probably can't really teach you a class in songwriting or certainly how to, yeah. how to excel at being a guitar player and which, you know, which scales go with which chords and what's a, a, a pentatonic scale versus, you know, they wouldn't be able to do any of that stuff. Yeah. So, so I would assume some of your teachers like your school and I'm not dissing on professors of, or English teachers or anything like that, but I would assume that there are many, maybe even most who can tell you all about it, but they can't write a, a good story um, that keeps the reader interested to save their life. And yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. And with dialogue, I just, or, or writing empathetic characters, you know, uh, sad stories you know a lot of people think that that some of my stuff is tear inducing and it's i, I would never be able to say well if you want to write a tear inducing story I, I mean i could give you some tips on stuff but i couldn't teach a course on it i just know what works and what doesn't and if i hear a dialogue i can tell if it's authentic or or if it's not and um you know i i, I mean i still have a lot to learn about all all aspects of writing. I, I read some dialogue and I'm just like, man, that's fantastic. 
uh, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a new movie out right now based on a book called uh, um, Thinking of Ending Things. And the dialogue in that movie is just incredible, man. Um, it's kind of a, it's one of those movies where you either think it's the greatest thing or you think it's the worst movie and waste of your time that you've ever seen. So I like the uh, Florida project. Ooh. <laughs> like Ladies the Florida and gentlemen, this project. is the last, uh, this is the last paleo cheese podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in. Oh man. Someone just tagged me on Twitter the other day and, and said, uh, my buddy, Jason, he said, um, he said, you were right, Chad, about Florida Project. And I was like, heck, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, um, oh. that's a, yeah, that's another good example of, of excellent dialogue. Um, and But anyway. That is yeah. a saving grace for the movie. It is, in, all, in all seriousness, right? Like, I, that is one thing about that movie. Because I was critical of it. We never ended up talking about it. because I think you were just so upset about my opinion. You couldn't bring yourself to do a show about it no we, we that's when we <laughs> decided to change the format of the podcast yeah okay <laughs> yeah i know so like the uh but no i i like the dialogue you know and i was gonna say something real quick man about you i wish i like you know i understand what you're saying about people who can teach but yet not do um i have some things in my own life like that um that more, i'm not more, very good more, at doing more they can do but can't teach was where i was yeah, I mean, I did, but that's I did the flip side the of way, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I was thinking like, okay, so they can do, but they can't teach. You know, um, on the flip side of that, I know of a guy named Harvey Pinnock, who is a, a golf instructor, one of the greatest of all time. Um, and he he saw uh, Arnold Palmer one time when he was Arnold Palmer was really young and he was hitting balls, you know, and just <laughs> three hundred yards or whatever. And he said, I, "I'm done. <laughs> I'll mm -hmm. just teach from now on." And he did. But I wish I would have known. I, you know, I I wish. I don't know what it was, Chad, like, you know, you were, you were, you were going out on a limb with this, but, you know, I wish I would have known that there's some things, especially with guitar that you, you know, you can do, but you may not be able to teach. Cause I've been washing dishes for years trying to get dexterity and it is not working <laughs> at all. <laughs> Massaging my wife. I'm doing, I'm cleaning up. I'm doing all these crazy chores around the house, dude. And I'm thinking, I saw a video chad it's it's chad's instructional video for how to play guitar part one yeah. and it just yeah. and for it's dexterity, parody. <laughs> parody video yeah. yeah i i have i have yeah. given uh -huh. uh, um tons of guitar lessons to 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 men children women um but there's there's a jump off point for me you know i can teach you how to play guitar but i'm not gonna like I said, the, the the structure of story writing, or I'm sorry, songwriting, um, that's not something that that I can teach, or, or even, um, you know, yeah, in any any kind of aspect on that, or music theory, or anything like that. It's just for me, it's more of a like with story writing, it's more of a feel. You know, this doesn't work. This scene doesn't work. This sentence doesn't work. This name doesn't work. These words don't work together. Well, why not? I don't know. They just don't. And I'm not going to use yeah. them. I feel like when I write something that as I'm writing it and, you know, take, uh, I wrote something, um, 
I wrote I wrote something for Meaning of Catholic a while back, and it was called The Blinding Light of Darkness. And it's about a Rurate Mass where it's all candles. And it's early in the morning, so the sun's not up. And by the time the Mass is complete, the sun should be up, uh, shining through the windows. It's a very beautiful thing. Um, and I was I wrote it overnight. I stayed up for hours. I think I got to bed around five in the morning. So I did it to be in the dark, uh, in the night, like that. Is but it I wasn't you, is it because you procrastinated. Okay, is that so why maybe, you're up till five? It it might have actually been a little bit, <laughs> dude. You got me a little. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Like I know it you, was. Man. I know you. It, yeah, it was a little bit. It was a. Uh, it was one of the rare occasions that I said I would write something, and a person gave me a deadline. Um, but I. But the thing is, is that it wasn't until I began reading it out loud. Um, and same thing with different chapters of my book where I'll read it out loud. And that doesn't mean that it works. I mean, there's editors and readers, the ideal reader or whatever that I would have to use King's phraseology um, to, to provide it to them might say, look, don't use this. Even if I've said it, read it out loud by myself and I've uh, read it into a microphone and listened to it. And I'm like, I like the way that that sentence sounds. It may be, either out of place or not essential or, uh, you know, irritating, <laughs> right? It could be a number of things. Um, and it, it really does kind of take sometimes other eyes, but at least hearing it out loud spoken. Cause I do that with my speeches, yeah. obviously, you know, I'm, I, yeah. I write my speeches. I'm a speech writer. So I know what it's like to tell a story in a speech. And I, you know, I, I've, seen many a people cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've seen many a people laugh and then cry and then laugh. Uh, and, and so to do that. And so, you know, I understand that a little bit, but I'm so grateful to have read that. Um, you know, and I, I, I always enjoy reading about people's thoughts about writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I read one, what is it? What is his name? Matthew Arnold. Uh, a poet, one of the many things that he did, um, I believe is a British guy talking about uh, uh, literary criticism. You know, I really enjoy that. I enjoy reading. And I know those are a little bit highfalutin people, right? Kind of the ivory towers debating amongst themselves on whether or not they think the other person's as good as them. And so, but I, but I enjoy it because to me, I can read it and say, okay, I'm understanding what they mean about the criticism of the flow of this poem, you know? Uh, is this, does the stanza work, you know, that kind of thing. And so I really appreciate it. And this was, this was an awesome thing to read on writing by Stephen King. And it was because of you, bro. It was because of you. Yeah. I remember, I remember I told you, I don't remember what you're reading. And I said, um, stop everything that you're reading. Don't read anything else until Mm -hmm. you read this book. If you're going to be writing, this is the one. And, I, and I'm and i so glad that you did because, uh, like I said earlier, um, people can get turned off. Oh, Stephen King? Yeah, I don't I don't like horror. It's like, no, you don't understand, man. This is, this is not a horror story. Um, but speaking of Ouija boards, um, <laughs> my... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was... <laughs> People don't know this if they don't watch, man, but I vape. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm taking a drag. I got it on mute and I'm taking a drag and I'm like almost at the end and I inhale like people smoke weed. I mean, it's like just straight to the dome, you know? So, I mean, it's like hitting the back of my throat, man. It's it's a pretty hard hit. And all of a sudden you say that, dude, there was vape, vape vapor all over this room, dude. <laughs> 
I watched this movie last week um, called Witchboard, and I thought I'd seen it before. And it's got, uh, uh, how do you say her name? Tawny Katane. It's the red-haired chick from the White Snake videos. And she also used to be on some TV show. A real pretty girl. Anyway, she was in this thing. And um, a couple of actors Dude, I wasn't really... Yeah. White Snake. You know, yeah. I have I had, I don't know if I've ever seen a White Snake video. And I always uh-huh. get White Snake for some reason. I always get White Snake mixed up with Big White. Or the Great White. Great White? The Great yeah. White or Great White the band? The band. Yeah, I can't see Yeah, that. I always get them mixed up. You, you, I don't know what it is, man. Or Whiteheart. I, I saw White Snake. <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. White Snake in concert. I, I, I was only going to see um, Anthrax because they were opening up. This is in 87. And yeah, as a matter of fact, Joe Dewey bought me a ticket and is like, hey, do you want to go see Anthrax yeah. and White Snake? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And so, uh, yeah, I took my girlfriend too. And um, boy, when White Snake played, my girlfriend was, uh, she was sitting on my lap in, in the, I was on the floor for Anthrax. And then once White Snake started, I wasn't that interested. So we sat in the chairs or whatever. And, uh, she lost her mind, man, because those that band at the time, '87, you know, just hair everywhere, and uh, some, you know, some handsome men up there. And uh, she was sitting in my lap, and dude, it was dangerous to be around her at the at the time because like she felt Beatles the white snake. She. <laughs> oh my it drove her wild. <laughs> she yeah. was out of control. She was out of control. She was screaming and oh. crushing me and kicking. Oh. Oh. And uh, it was funny. I I, I, I I was scared and uh <laughs> and laughing at the same time. You know, um, so anyway, yeah, I'm watching uh Witchboard. Oh. Oh. And yeah. um it's it's a silly movie about a uh uh I mean it's eighties movie. It was fun for the nostalgia, just you know, for just I, I don't I, I can watch the worst movie man that's in the 70s or 80s and just have a, such a great time and it's just uh stinking hot garbage but it's okay it's <laughs> you know because I, there's something about nostalgia man it's such a powerful thing so i'm watching this thing there's a ouija board involved and uh it's called why well, it's called witch board and it reminded me of when my mom and i in I think it was the late 70s or very early 80s. We went to uh, Myers Toy World downtown. Uh, I think that's where it was. And she bought me a Ouija board, a, like a Parker Brothers Ouija board. And uh, we brought it home. This is before the satanic panic. We brought it home and, and you know, did it a couple times, the Ouija board thing. Put our hands on there and asked questions in our hands moved around and they're supposed to something about the science behind it. It's just the movements are so subtle that you don't realize that, you know, I never, as we were doing it, I never felt like, you know, Oh my gosh, these are spirits moving this thing. I think I was, I was kind of fascinated by it, but I was also fascinated by the science behind that. If that, if somehow by the power of suggestion, on a subconscious, very subtle level, our fingers are moving this thing to, you know, things that, that subconsciously that we're answering our own questions. 
And I just thought it was weird because if you knew my mom, this is the same woman who made me tape over the word ass in the, my cassette tape <laughs> and cut out the cover of my Diary of Madman thing because it had an upside down cross and forbade me to listen to Black Sabbath, even though I had all of their stuff hidden away. Um, she's the one who bought me a Ouija board. And, and uh, I thought that was kind of funny. That is a little weird. Yeah. 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 But it's just, you know, it's like she probably saw, oh, Parker Brothers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bar- yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I never, never played with one. You know, I, I got the, what was it? The knockoff man. What, what is that? Simon. Right. Isn't that like a knockoff of the Ouija mm. board? No. <laughs> not, even close, not even close wow <laughs> no, no obviously yeah i know what simon is dude it's like yeah, saying no. basketball is a knockoff <laughs> of a vehicle yeah yeah i didn't get a car but i did get a basketball close um both of them roll so no i uh no i never, never played with it i think it was because you know um you know the way i was raised and stuff you know i in fact i don't even know if i had any friends who owned one. And in fact, the only time I've ever seen one where I've gone into somebody's home or into even a business, this one, it was a business is a coffee shop in Grand Rapids. And they've got one there. Mm-hmm. I never saw anybody. So I've never seen anybody play it, you know, but I, I never even got around any of stuff like uh, magic, the gathering or dungeon and dragons or anything like that. And yeah. so, you know, I was just never, never in that, in that world. It's a shame, man, because uh, I, I had some good times playing D and D when I was a kid. Some good times. Know, That's another thing. My parents didn't. They didn't care. They didn't care about that stuff, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I think I've got like a uh, like a bias against like really intense role play games, but but it's hypocritical, right? That's a cognitive dissonance for me because I do role play. I know, you know, I, I play around with personas, dude. I'm a, I'm a media guy, so I have persona. Um, I know what that's like to create a brand that you say, well, this is what I am when I'm this way. And it's not exactly who I am. Um, and that's not even in a game. That's a job. So, I mean, I'm kind of taking that to like another level. You know, it's almost like being a carny or something, you know, at, for a uh, uh, medieval festival carnival. <laughs> that's, what, that's what my life work has been. Um, Let me ask you this then. Yeah. So you, 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 you know, you're kind of like not sure about the whole D and D thing. Yeah. Yeah. sounds like, um, are you okay with C.S. Lewis and Tolkien? I've, I don't know if I've ever read the Hobbit, uh, or any of the Lord of the Rings. My mom has, um, you've seen the movies. Yes. Yeah, and I've seen, I've seen the movies with elves and stuff. Yeah, yeah, works yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've got no problem with that. No, I don't. I don't have. Okay. Look, I don't have a problem with it. But if somebody all of a sudden says they are the orc, then no, I'm in a little what, bit of a world. You know, a little bit of a thing. What is the difference between uh, Tolkien or C.S. Lewis sitting down and writing this thing, and then you and your friends writing it, and just taking on the? You know, basically, what you're doing is you're, you're taking on part. I think that I think, and look, if I. I think maybe, and as I said, it might be a bias that in my life, the the majority of people that I've known mm-hmm. who are into that, like I used to, I used to host a group that met at a bookstore in Grand Rapids and I was the, 
uh, presenter. So I, I hosted it. I brought in people. And every day I'd go in there. We'd have to walk all the way through the, the bookstore. And in the back, they have tables laid out. And there were like 15 people there playing D&D. And they looked like the very, if I, if I had an image in my mind, right? Kind of like if somebody says, well, draw an apple and you draw an apple and it doesn't look real, but everybody knows that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, except that every time I've ever seen it, they look like the archetypal image in my brain of what this is. I've never seen, it'd be like drawing an apple, the cartoony apple, and you go out and every time you see an apple, it actually looks like that. That is kind of how it has been in, and not just the looks, of course, I don't want to judge books by their covers, but, but the kind of interests, personality types, things like that. And I've got friends that are really down with it. So I'm not, I'm not like, don't come near me. You know, I've got friends. In fact, some of our closest friends, team tiny dancer, family type people, um, those, those individuals are gamers and we've had big debates. Um, they got really upset when I wrote an article called um, when Nintendo killed the, my playground and they were really upset about that. And they talked about what it was like to grow up um, at a playground where that was a, a torturous thing, right? That they were beat up on that playground. They weren't playing baseball. They were getting their tails kicked and that p- getting into these games, whether they were board games, role play, whether they were Zelda, which, you know, that kind of thing, same similar mm-hmm. concepts, right? Final fantasy, um, on uh, video game systems that they were saving the queen. They were mm-hmm. a hero, right? So I, I, mm-hmm. I get that. I get it with the people. I have tons of friends, dude, that play that part at medieval festivals and Renaissance fairs. And I have, well, a, I have a costume too, but I only well, I go you're, once you're a year. You're talking yeah. about like, like I've put in several hundred hours of D&D from the age of like nine um until 16 and then i think i had like a 10-year hiatus and played for a while and then another 15-year hiatus and then played for a while um but i have never worn anything that wasn't the clothes i had on that day and yeah i've never played with anyone that did anything like that and that's you know like what what was the uh what, what was your favorite movie we watched um what was that called again? Uh, uh, Unicorn uni- City. Y- yeah, Unicorn City. Yeah, that's that's never been my uh, experience. It's creating a character with, you know, the random rolling of dice and then choosing things that you would, you know, like a character selection screen. Do I want my hair brown or, or yellow? Well, in this case, it'd be like, well, do I want to be casting spells or do I want to swing a sword? Um, do I want to be in, uh, a, you know, a halfling or mm. a dwarf or an... Do I want to be a, a human or, you yeah. know, what do I want to be doing with this? And then I've never experienced anything even remotely close to being like where someone is like dis- dangerously disassociating themselves uh, from reality. And it's been nothing more than, hey, I got an idea. It, it, it really is like telling a story. You know, you've got your you've got your it's like one of those choose your own adventure books. You ever read one of those before? Yeah, of course. Well, some but of these, them have. But there, how many people beyond for real, man? How many mm. people take it like really seriously? So they might not dress up. I and I for clarity, I've never. I didn't say, and I've never seen anyone playing D anD D that dressed up as characters 
or that they're like, no, I really am a, a furry, right? A furry, a furry with a Viking outfit. Yeah, no, and I'm, are... I'm, but but the idea of the idea of of taking a role that is not you and playing that role and creating that character. And to be fair, it's the influence of that is vast, by the way. Okay, because there's so many people who do like it, especially in the gaming community, mm-hmm. that even games that in the past had a very limited concept of role play. Take Tony Hawk. I used to love Tony Hawk, but now you get on Tony Hawk and half of it is mission and building your character and putting on different clothes and making your guy. And I'm like, screw this. I'm done. I just wanted to do some ollies, man. I wanted to jump from rail to rail and do these crazy cool things where you can see how long you can go and the numbers keep racking up. And so that was my style of gaming. Mm-hmm. was that and i i never liked i never liked playing games where you know take zelda as because that was kind of my first peek into some of how this works as a kid was watching my cousin play and realizing that rather than let's say playing kung fu or a sports game or something this dumb game had it so that you could bump into bad guys and not even see they were there and then they're the same bad guys with the same music and then you had to be like, you had to pick what you wanted to do. Okay, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Do I want to do this? And you, you, it goes back and forth and back and forth, and it's super slow. And to me, as a, as a kid, accustomed to games like Punch Out or Double Dribble or, or uh, Double Dragon, games that were active, that you, you didn't have to like flip through to see what you wanted to do and what potion you wanted for this. And it was like r- real fast action. Bam, 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 bam. Um, it drove me nuts because bro would be on there for a long time. So there's probably multifaceted reason why I I have a reluctance to really play. And whenever I do, I played a game. I played a game that is kind of like that. I forget the name of it. My buddy, I watched Mac and me with him and went to his party. And he's really into those kind of games too. I don't know about D and D. I don't know, but him and I have a couple of friends. They're all really into it. And there was a party and I was there and they, they were like begging, come on, bro. You got to play this game. And so I did, and I knew nothing. Even after they explained everything to me, and they all knew because they know the language, right? They, they, there's a there's certain concepts and and things that go along with this that if you're not familiar, it's yeah. foreign. It's kind of Greek. Well, I just picked basically my philosophy the whole time was if any of these esoteric symbols come up that look like Illuminati, I'm picking those ones. And dude, I totally crushed everybody. I had no idea what I was doing. And so it was a fluke, right? I mean, it wouldn't happen every time, but on that particular instance, and I'm like, I'm, I just, and they wanted me to play again. I'm like, no, I don't want to play it. So even when I won, so I'm not judging in a way that says they dress up. I'm not saying that. In fact, I'm saying that they all look like they'd kind of look and act the people I've seen when they're playing. um, They kind of look and act like the people at the beginning of unicorn city. Where they're playing yeah, that game. And I, and I, understand. I understand that. That's what's so cool about, and a lot of people don't know this about me. The, the ones who know me in real life know this, but I'm a huge, uh, I don't role play much anymore. I, I, I get a little bored with it. Um, and when, when I say role play, I mean play d and I, I, I don't really even role play when I'm playing D&D other than, you know, hey, I'm going to shoot my arrow at that dude. You know, do I need to make a saving throw or do I need to, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'll do that. But as far as like actual role playing, I, I don't really do any of that. 
I know what you're saying about those kind of people. Um, and I don't know how many people know this about me. I, everybody in, in real life knows this, but I'm a huge uh, board gamer. Um, all kinds of like uh, really um, mind boggling, like heavy games that, that uh, like thinking man's or thinking woman's games, you know, um, with a gazillion different pieces and you just get intimidated by even looking at them, you know, you know, not stuff like Monopoly or anything like that. But um, I, I, and I have a game group and I have regular guys that I'm really close with that come to this game group. And I, when you look at me and you know anything about me, about the music uh, that I'm into and the movies that I'm into and literature that I'm into, I'm not someone that you would think would be into stuff like this like playing D&D or playing these types of board games. Uh, but I am. When I started my game group, and it, it kind of grew over time, I was actually concerned, man, that I didn't I didn't want to be playing with the types of people that you're talking about. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I'm trying to say this as politely as I can. Um, but yeah, if you do walk into, say, a comic book store, and everybody is kind of like that that dude from um, maybe The Simpsons, where nobody really has a filter, and uh, uh, maybe or or even a personal hygiene, <laughs> or uh, you know things like that. And you just you just can't relate on a level that that I, I just pictured everybody being completely uncultured. They don't know anything about anything that I'm into at all. But my gaming group, um, my buddies, I'm going to give them a shout out. Uh, Anthony and Rick and Ryan, Shane, Jamie. And now that I'm naming them off, I'm probably forgetting some. Uh, Bobby. Uh, Webb comes and plays with us sometimes. Love all those guys. And is that their not... real names or their avatar names? Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I really love those guys. They're a pleasure to hang out with. And uh, I don't get to see them enough, especially now that COVID we haven't seen each other in several months, but they're very hip man. And it's not like that at all. Um, uh, you know, we might not be into all of the, ex you know, same music and stuff, but you know, they're, they're cool dudes. A couple of them are pharmacists and, um, you know, a couple of them have, you know, nerd out with the it jobs, but God bless them. They're, they're really good guys. And, um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, look, I, I can be critical, man, but number one, I'm not busting on them for their body odor. <laughs> and, number, <laughs> and number two, uh, you know, I'm your friend. You're my friend. And I know you're a gamer. One of the first things you, I, I, it wasn't one of the first things, but I learned really early on that you were a gamer. So I've, I've known that I, you know, I remember you when you were into like world of Warcraft and stuff like that, but I also know, and this is something to say that I'm not just saying these about like people I don't know, but even with you, you've tried wrangling me in before into your gaming group a couple times. And yeah. one time was the Euchre thing. And I am I am the weird Michigander dude that refuses to budge on Euchre. I won't. I, I've tried. I suck at it. I have no interest in it. I'm like, I watch people play, you well, know, that's not even 
if that's not even what I'm talking about, but yeah, uh, but it's got the weird dynamic. It's got the weird dynamic of a, of a game group. That's real serious about something like, you know, I'm telling you what, if if you were to come over and play some of these games, uh, (laughs) they would challenge you, my friend. They would dude. They would, you'd be like, um, they, they make you think, dude, they're, they're not, and you got, you got to do it. I've got uh, a couple friends that, um, I've been wanting to get over and my brother too, Casey, been wanting to get him over here for years. Um, remember Brian Bates, don't you? He used to play poker with us. Yeah. He's, he's gamed a couple times and it's weird because board gaming is one of those things where this is, this is so weird about it. If I say, Hey, do you want to come over and play board games? I mean, what do you, what, what do you picture in your head? If you were to say, come over and play games. Cause I have, I've gone over now, I've only gone over when there was a handful of us, right? And we mainly mm-hmm. played cards, and we played things. What was the queen one? We Was that a made-up game, by the way? What? The the game with the queens. What was that called? What, didn't that, isn't that where Queenie came from? Yeah, I think... Um, so that was it. Yeah, you guys it were a, calling me Queenie. Uh, it was a poker game, and yeah, I, I think we were calling you Queenie because it was dealer's choice. And every time we'd play poker, and it would come to you, I'd want to play, yeah. play queens. And so yeah, we queen. start calling you yeah. queen. So like, but I, so I've seen people, you know, and I have a lot, as I said, I've got a lot of friends who do this. You mm-hmm. know, I've got friends that that's what they do. They, they love board games. They have game nights. I've called and said, Hey man, you want to hang out? And they're like, Oh no, sorry, man. We got a game night tonight. You should come over. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm blow drying my hair. I thought you'd want to come over and watch me do it. <laughs> so I make an excuse, but I I've been there enough to these parties that I, I know that the vast majority of the people, at least that are in kind of my circle, mm-hmm. right? A lot of these people uh, are individuals that if I'm not even playing and I'm just watching them play, mm-hmm. that conversations taking place. I've had conversations with individuals that have been a lot of fun. We've had things in, you know, a lot in common. Uh, and then they start talking the gibberish talk and, you know, the the game language that I don't understand. And I'm like, oh, no, no, thanks. I'll pass on that. But I mean, it's kind of like having a friend who mm-hmm. is really, really into um, Kirby vacuums or into essential oils that you're like, you know, I may not really be into that, but you're a great person. <laughs> I'm going to be friends with you. I'm gonna be friends with you. And they're all like, if you saw my Kirby vacuum, if you saw this Kirby, you came over. If I gave you a demonstration, oh come on. (laughs) So you you basically answered my question by by you know oh no. You 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 don't have anything really envisioned, and you don't know if you would enjoy the experience. And that's kind of my point. What? What? Some of these people like uh web, like um uh, Brian Bates, who these are people that you would never think would they've never played board games before. And when you mentioned board game, I mean, still, you you're you're talking about Euchre and stuff. And I'm not not as an apples to apples thing. Like I, not, not not the game either. Not it's not playing okay. words. Right? I'm just I'm saying I'm not comparing them in a strict right. sense saying, oh, it's like playing this game. You know, I'm I'm bringing in the same thing as is being able to say, look, there's shades and degrees of similarity and difference between somebody who's really into D and D 
and the people I've known who are really into D and D and the way they talk about the game and their role in the game and where they are in the story and all this mm -hmm. and people who go to medieval festivals on a regular basis, that that's something they love to do to take on that persona, to have a certain role in that story. And that mm -hmm. is role play because you learn lines and stuff. Yeah. And so, and a lot of those people also play games like that's, there's a, there's an overlap. So it's a, a Venn diagram. So that's all I'm doing. And I do have an idea of what it's like because I've got friends that do it. I've been in those situations and I've but, got you as a friend and I've got yeah, like, so okay. I know in my okay. head, but you yeah. haven't, you haven't experienced it. And what I'm saying is like with Brian, when I invited him over and I think we played some kind of gateway game, something that a lot of people play like uh, Munchkins, settlers, settlers of Catan or something like that. And he was surprised and shocked at how much fun that he was having with uh, playing this because it's not what he thought it was. You know, you had me not... play that game. I thought it was, remember I, I thought it was munchkins. That's why I just said it because we've had this conversation. Game. Yes. And you told me that you said munchkins, a horrible game. And you could, basically you couldn't imagine a situation where you would want me to even play that game because yeah. it wasn't that game. It was mm -hmm. Sell settlers of Catan and you had me play it. And I, you know, who do we play it with? I was at your house. I don't know. I don't know who it, playing it with somebody. It's not a two player. Yeah, it wasn't really. a two person. No, no, no. There was, it wasn't just me and you might've been your wife. Well, it might've been Elijah, dude. Even then it's definitely yeah. not one of my favorite games, but my point is, um, I, I, you know, I see a lot of people like on, on, uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and they'll post, uh, a picture and they're like yay tonight it's family game night and so i'm like oh cool let's see what they're playing and they're playing like monopoly or sorry yeah. or something like that and it's yeah. it's it's almost painful to look at dude because <laughs> there's so many cool games out there yeah that people aren't aware of i mean they're becoming more aware of them because you, a lot of the games that we put that, that my gaming group and i play they're starting to show up in places like target and things like that maybe not some of the heavier games but um it, it's different than it used to be and um um uh, yeah I, I would like to see you uh i don't remember playing that with you but when the plague is gone and the world is not on fire then we'll have to get you over here and my and and you know play some really cool games because that because then you've got like sub genres of games because yeah. let's say you didn't like Catan. it's just yeah. one example of one type of game like, i didn't be like it, saying well i don't like games because i don't like um games because i played yard darts and then i'm like yeah but have you played poker or you're like i don't like poker and i'm like yeah but haven't you played darts they're just you know they're 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 all so and it might be a, a poor example but they're i'm just trying to show that they're they're just such a uh they're all vastly different from yes. one another and there's yes. just so many different types and and you have to you must succumb to the game that over here sometime and see this is this is a long line of my besties right so, like, in my life, all my best friends, except one, have been basically people that whether it's whether it's Euchre or whether it's playing role play games, mm 
they're kind of like, with the exception of my buddy, Brian. Okay. Cause Brian, he's not that way, but all the other friends that are like my Peter James and Johns of the world, all of them have said something. And I've said this a lot to my family. If my kids were down here, they'd crack up. If they heard you say, I need to get you over here. Cause I think if you try it, you'll really like it and you'll have a great time. That is like a, I've told my kids, I'm like, all my buddies, like, especially Euchre. Euchre's the worst one, right? The other guys are kind of like, well, gaming night is not necessarily for everybody, right? But Euchre's has been, like, the big one. Um, but other games, too, and, uh, you know, if, if you don't like this, maybe you'll like this one. And then I'm wrangled in playing a bunch of games, and I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, and I'm like, well, do you guys want to play NBA Jam or something? And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I like certain games, man. I, You know, I... I like I like games. As I said, the games that I like, I, I stopped liking, for example, and had a hard time with the later versions of um, uh, what is it, man? Grand Theft Auto, like San Andreas. Once it got to that level and it was like, you're this character and you're going to these different places. And, you know, it, it, it was so dynamic. The story behind it, it burned me out. Same thing with same thing with as I said earlier. Same thing with the uh, Tony Hawk game. Same thing with any game. Same dude. Basketball. I really like playing basketball games, for example, more than football games. Although I do enjoy that, but like I'll play a basketball game, you know, and because that's that's my gaming. I I grew up playing basketball. I was quite good at basketball. But if I asked my buddy over there playing, you know, Magic the Gathering over in the playground to play basketball, that guy'd laugh at me and say, "Look, I'm playing Wizards over here." And so we kind of have our different worlds too of gaming. And but if if I asked people to play those games. That that's when I think it might get a little snobbish. <laughs> I think it might be like that's low bro. <laughs> those are those are easy pass, run, steal. You know where's the where's the storyline? Where's the dynamic? And I'm like, it's in a book. <laughs> don't don't give me a game. Give me a book. You know. And so I don't know, but I don't want to come off like I'm like some cartoon character from an 80s movie that's like man nerds because that's not me like i i am surrounded by nerddom i'm a whovian that's its own mm -hmm. brand of nerddom dude and You're so i nerd than i am and <laughs> yeah do we are i know i've got like yeah we you got a lot of books you know and so like yeah we're, we're nerds in our own right i'm okay with the idea Right. And maybe it's the the cabin fever setting in here from, you know, the um, branch Covidian complex here. But the the idea and I, by the way, I heard someone said branch a branch Covidian on what is it, urban dictionary or whatever. And it was saying that it's people who are against people who are against things like wearing masks and stuff. And I, I always imagined that that would be the more cultic freakish person that demands it, you know. But anyway, mm -hmm. you know, but maybe it's because cabin fever. Maybe it's because I haven't been out and about. And maybe it's because, look, even if you were somebody pitching essential oils, I would probably enjoy a number of them. Um, and I might even buy a diffuser. So I'm down with the idea of going over. Plus, dude, I know at least a couple of the people you've mentioned. And I like them as guys. They're my friends. And so I haven't seen them in a long time. I'd be down to be the guinea pig for you to be like dude try this game in this game i'll give you like three chance three different games 
three different games you can <laughs> say play this one. You know, because if I if I go in and I'm playing a game that a bunch of guys already know and they're all like real serious about it and it's got a, it's complex rules and they're all down with it. And it's like, OK, you just come on and you'll get it real quick. There's no problem. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't happen. Right? So well, I don't know. Keep in mind, too, these heavier games, we don't um, like if we got a newcomer or something like that or somebody that we're trying to introduce gaming into, um, we don't we don't bust out the the heavy games, man. That's just not, that's not fun for anybody. You got to kind of, you know, wean yourself in there, but I feel like people who haven't tried that and and aren't aware of like the other side of like board gaming or whatever. Like, I feel like you, Jeremiah have like, you're like, I don't really like chips. I don't really like bags of chips when all you've really had is pork rinds dipped in <laughs> peanut butter and i'm over here with a big old <laughs> zesty bag of doritos and you're like yeah no oh. thanks i've already tried chips and it cut my mouth that's how i got the joker face <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. those darn doritos dude always cutting into my gums man i have some experience <laughs> i'm down i'm down with it I'm down with the idea of saying, all right, man, we will do this. I'll play. I'm not a raging bigot. Okay. And you know what? Your Euchre experience. I've got a friend. Oh, uh, no. We joke. We jokingly, uh, we make fun of him all the time because he, um, he cannot, he's, he's bad at explaining a game really bad. Leave stuff out. Um, and, and we, we joke in, in my mind, it works a certain way and I have to have a game explained to me a certain way. And if it's not, then I spend half of the game um, asking questions over and over again. And I'm yeah. wondering if, um, and so when I do explain a game, I'm like anally thorough um, just in case someone, you know, needs that. And I, I'm wondering if when Euchre was explained to you, <laughs> if, uh, it was explained to you very very uh, poorly you really are a bestie dude you are <laughs> you 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 fit the, you are so a bestie in my life dude i love you man and so but you have to this is my one request is that you leave open the idea that at the end of the day i may not like chocolate but i like vanilla and mm-hmm. i might like double dragon or kung fu and i'm i'm throwing out old school nintendo games right i mean because i actually still have those like on my TV, like I, I've got Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> I play Tecmo Bowl, and people are like, "Why not play Madden?" I said, "That's ah, really complex." So I kind of like I kind of like my games to be a certain simplicity about it, mm-hmm. and and it cut and dry, right? Simple rules, simple controls. I liked it better when there was just simply A and B, select and start, and now yeah. there's all these buttons on it and everything, and people using yeah. keyboards. I'm like, well, okay. And so that's just me. And maybe it's like an old dog and new tricks a little bit, except when I was a young dog, I tried learning these tricks because all my best friends played these games. <laughs> so I'm like, like well, oh. if I, yeah, yeah if, if, if I like chocolate um, and you like vanilla, I mean, maybe combined um, you would like it. I mean, there's, there ain't nothing wrong with some jungle fever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Can I leave that in or what? <laughs> yeah. Dude, we, if we took that out, it'd be so terrible. <laughs> oh, 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 my but gosh, yeah. dude. I know what you're yeah. saying, though. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, maybe we can mix them. I mean, look, I'm completely down with dressing like an orc and playing basketball with you. No, dude, I don't want to dress <laughs> like an orc. Are I you sure, know. dude? I, I can explain I don't know the reasons why, Chad. I don't I, know look, anybody who does that. Look, and I know. I've never played with anyone who does that. My yeah, son see, did when he was young. He did some LARPing stuff, and it was really cool to see him. He had a, he had a, lot, of, <laughs> a lot of fun. Did he explain it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. but thoroughly i mean did he because sometimes people don't understand why somebody would dress up like an orc and play basketball i knew what he was doing no (laughs) no no it was it was was kind of neat man because uh like his grandma and his mom helped make his his cloak for him and stuff and yeah it was it was a cool thing you know and it was nobody took themselves too seriously i've seen documentaries where it's like uh you know wow but god bless those guys and girls because they're having fun and, and that's I a saw, far cry that's a far cry from like the role playing where they're dressed up as horses and stuff like that man now that <laughs> dude I, I saw the one with you the first i didn't even know what larping was and it was because you i watched this movie um a documentary about it where and it, it caused yeah. a major fight at the end because they were like counting points you know like 25 points, 25 points, 25 yeah. points, you know, lightning like bolt, lightning bolt, light, yeah. light, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. And they're like, no, I calculated <laughs> in my brain this and that. And I'm like, you're all lying. All yeah. of you. Like there's video evidence of this, by the way, we can just go back and look at it. Why fight? But they were, right. dude, they were deadly serious. And mm-hmm. so maybe that also kind of plays into it. I don't know, you know, but it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things, but I'm willing, I'm willing to do it. You have reached the end of Paleo Cheese Podcast, Episode 19, Part 1.